All right, we're rolling. This is just winging it. Just winging it. Just? I can barely get the words out. I, I just told you well, before. Well, because you're so congested and because you're dealing with I now a severe have, health issue. I have a dual canker issue going on You here. got dual barrel cankers. <laughs> I can barely say that sentence. Uh, yeah, I have cankers on my tongue, of all places. On the tongue? Disgusting. Wait, is that a cold sore or a canker sore? No, it's a canker sore. On both. I'll you show you is after. It, is it kind of on the... I don't want you to puke yeah, yet. I don't want you to puke Wait, yet. is it kind of on the bottom of the tongue? It's like on both sides. God, that is terrible it's location. It's extremely what a painful. Bad situation. That's yeah, what that is. I, I'm basically like just on painkillers and not. Nah, I mean, I'm, just I'm not actually shoving opiates down. I your did throat. this weekend. Just take some Tylenol just for that. Just to like that's how painful it is. Have you ever tried? Um, <laughs> I is, I literally this almost is our healthy living section of the. I almost said Vagisil. Oh wow! But that's not what I mean. That would I mean, be interesting because it... a lot of times there's stuff out there that's like dual. You know, they find new purposes for it. So like whatever the <laughs> imagine if Vagisil was the secret link. Whatever the active ingredient is. I don't even know what that is. does. What does Vagisil do? I I think it's yeast infection. Is it for yeast infection? I'm gonna guess that's that what it is. That might actually someone work then. should write to us and then yeah. Right? I mean, for all I know, sure. I don't. I mean, there this are crazier is, uh, ideas. A couple, at not least, many. At least a. couple. Anyway, so you're John Did, Abdullah. I'm John Abdullah, and who are you? A peck green on the mic. I'm oh, gonna rock man. it like you like it. Wow, I've been rapping all. You're ready all to morning. go. He's drinking I some coffee. I am ready to go. We've seen Venom twice this weekend. It was extremely I exciting. Saw, oh, I saw your Facebook I am post. So about happy. It. I am so it's really happy. That good? As, yes, and I know you're it's a Venom fan, panned, right? Which is something yeah. that we just critically panned for very weird reasons <laughs> because the movie's awesome, and virtually yeah. everybody who sees it says that. The really? audience was clapping and laughing riotously at both showings that we yeah. went to. Both I do. I do want to see it because Venom is badass. Venom is badass, and also, so here's the thing. I'll make this very brief. Mm-hmm. Something that you by very learn. brief for like twenty or so minutes. Yeah, you can yeah. tell. I put my coffee down, so you can mm-hmm. tell. Like now, I'm gonna. I'm He's gonna like fix up. my pants. I'm gonna like kind of get in position. So here we go. Anybody Patrick who, Green special. Anybody who follows Venom, yeah. who's like who like likes the character. Most people, right? Most, most humans. Most of our listeners. Most humans yeah, on the world, Venom. especially Obama. Mm-hmm. Realize that at the heart of the Venom story is a love story between Eddie and his symbiote, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just a, a 10 second recap if people don't know the background. Spider-Man came back from Secret Wars in the mid 1980s with a black alien suit that was super cool, yeah. but was doing shit to his mind and was eventually it was actually trying to permanently fuse to him. So we had it removed by the Fantastic 4. Yep. But he got to wear it for a bunch of amazing issues like the black Spidey suit, oh, so cool. So cool. Um so the symbiote felt because it was alive, felt rejected. Yeah, and then naturally. Eddie Brock, who was a uh, a reporter and a colleague of Peter's at the Daily Bugle, um, had basically been outed as uh, not having reliable sources in a very prominent news story about mm-hmm. a serial killer. And then his career fell apart, and Peter's was on the ascendance. Yeah, and he kind of and Eddie kind of blamed a lot of this on Peter. And um, there's a couple different versions of that, but that's that's the basic gist of it. And then the symbiote and Eddie find each other. Yeah, they're both they've been rejected by both by each side of Peter's persona. That's right. And they fuse together totally into this unstoppable, amazing. Can you imagine? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> this un- unstoppable monstrosity who like doesn't trigger the spider sense, and he has all these abilities that the symbiote learned from Peter, and that Eddie, because he's a bodybuilder and he's very smart, yeah. like he has a lot going for him as well. That puts him kind of in a, a superior league physically to what Peter's That's able right. to do. That's right. When he, when he fuses. So anyway. Through the years, Venom becomes gradually a hero, and he ends up becoming a champion of the poor and the dejected, which is, I think is so amazing mm. that this character was like just so popular right at the beginning that his first solo comic book series was about saving a, a colony of homeless people living underneath the streets of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's just like, so, it's so cool. Because he identifies with them, you yeah, know, because yeah. he's an outcast, right? And because he's a good person who life hasn't been very kind to, and, and, um, and you can either deal with that with hatred, which he initially did, 
or you can move past that and do something about it, right? Yeah. So Venom has this really cool arc, and at the heart of that arc is this love story between Eddie and a symbiote, mm-hmm. because they found each other across the whole universe, these two organisms that are perfectly compatible, and they're both losers. They're both fuck-ups, mm-hmm. but they both have a lot it's going to for be. them. And so the movie just completely nails that. Oh, good. And Tom Hardy is just incredible in this part. And I was worried because the advanced screenings were delayed, and then the reviews came out, and they were, like, horrible. And I was thinking, this is going to be terrible. And we go opening night, and it was a full house. People were laughing and cheering, and I was I walked out, and I was like, that's absolutely incredible. And the first thing I did was put a picture on the Venom subreddit, of course. Yeah, naturally. Well, I checked Knights of Pineapple first. <clears throat> I was going to say, you got to check yeah. the pineapple I gotta, first. I went pineapple, and then I went Venom. Your priorities. And every single post was like, what is wrong with the critics with this movie? This is this is the movie we've all been waiting for. And it's yeah. like universally beloved, basically, in fandom. Mm. So if you have an open mind, and you're not going there for an MCU movie, which yeah. is an amazing product but it's not what this is of course if yeah. you look at it for what it is and not what it's not yeah i think you will love it and i heartily recommend you do so all right brought to you by where the fun happens venom <laughs> the musical <laughs> venom the musical that'd be interesting um, yeah but canker stores man they're they're rough yeah. I, I was we were mentioning before we started probably recording, as painful as the symbiote or the suit right it probably is it's basically the same thing well it's yeah. a parasite yeah it is actually parasite. it's not a parasite <laughs> Here we go again. The moral of the story is we don't <laughs> know anything about canker sores or anything. other than the fact that they yeah. hurt and that we both deal with them. Yeah, I just learned before we started recording that you also deal with this Lamisil uh, serial the... basis. What's Lamisil? Is that for no? You're right. Foot? There's an L thing that's supposed to be. Yeah, don't put Lamisil on. Lamisil, Vagisil. <laughs> you probably shouldn't put any of those things in your mouth. There's something. I'm going to say there's that one, right now. There's but one there's that an I've L. gotten you're a right. couple of times mm-hmm. and it works really mm-hmm. well. Does it? Yes, it works great, and I will remember the name, and they'll sponsor this I podcast. hope so, because there's some big pharma money that we will accept. Yes, we will. <laughs> so we got a lot to talk about. We, I think we're going to start kicking things off with some feedback from listeners. Yeah. Which we, we thought... keep meaning to do, and then we don't, because we get distracted within two seconds. And, and, and by the way, months. we also you know, don't do a good job of letting you know how you can actually reach us. We just kind of take true. that for granted. To, to be you know... fair, we, we don't do a good job just in, in general. That's true, just a blanket statement. Part of not mm-hmm. doing a good job yeah. in general is we forget to tell you that yeah. you can send us a message on Facebook. And isn't that parenting really? Underneath it all, isn't it just you doing a mediocre job at everything after you become a mm-hmm. parent? You know? And that's okay. It's just sucking. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm not going to go as far as to say sucking. I'm just going to say not doing a good job. I will. It's it's sucking, but it's adaptive sucking, which is... <laughs> Sorry, uh, you need to change Sounds this. like an instruction <laughs> manual for... <laughs> oh, man. Show me so those anyway, anyway, you should write... To us on our Facebook page, Just Winging a Podcast, or you can go to our website, JustWingingAPodcast.com. Which Sean has designed uh, and done a lovely job with, as I he mean, should I as mean, the actual again, fucking I'd say, web manager. I'd say it's mediocre, but that's, yeah, sure. Mediocre. Um, and uh, you can, on that site, you'll see we have an email address, or you can, you know, you can just go to uh, JustWingingAdads at gmail.com. Um, we didn't buy a email, you know, domain and all that. At JustWingingAdads.org. Just uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there you go. You should write to us, and and maybe we'll uh, read your stuff on air. You should, Barack you know, it's, Obama. It's funny you see. Well, he already does. Yeah. You know, you see like the average. But I'm response just saying time. he should send us something that we can read because that would be nice. Exactly. You know, Could you be know like boost. how Facebook has a little badge for that him turns and off. for us mm-hmm. for Barack. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know they have a little badge about like your average response time. Yeah. Ours is like one second because we almost never get any, and the second we do, we're like. Oh! It basically makes our day. It yeah. so, makes our week, actually. It's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. And, and honestly, we do respond to every single person that writes at the show. Oh, totally. It really is us right now. Um, it is. I know <laughs> I know. it's hard to believe because we're hard so famous and yep. so, yep. you know, such huge deals. But yeah. we do take the time for the little people like our ex-president to respond to the messages and read them on it's air. It's the least we can do for so you I, people. So I want to kick things off. My cousin Joey, who's mm-hmm. come up on the show uh, almost every episode at this point, 
That's wrote true. in with uh, some Joey, comments on long our time listener Joey parenting hacks. He's one of those who listen to the episodes actually on Sunday night when they first drop. Those are like the diehards. There's yeah. like there's like the winglets who wait and like listen during the week, uh-huh. and then there's like the winglets who have an alarm set. And it's like nine o'clock. They check their podcast feed. I love you. Um, Thank you for doing it. I love you. Uh, So he says, well, you're not going to love him after this. So Joey says, oh, no, the way John changes diapers doesn't save any time at all. (laughs) It's the same number of steps, just in a different sequence. Plus, it's dirty. Also, it's it's silly. Period. And then he says, um, and then he says, it's Marconium. The early poop. And I want to say, no, but that's not even what it's called. No, I think it is. No, it's Muconium. Uh, is it? Isn't it Mucon? God no, damn it. you might be right. You might up. be right. You might be Mu- right. Well, I think Marconi is Read the, the rest dude of his message Batman. first, oh, that the was poor it. guy. That was oh, it. okay, that Hang was on. it. All right, while you're looking that up, I have to just say here, because I've been paying more attention to this since I've brought it up last week. How to oh my God, it's diaper. Meconium. Meconium. Meconium, so neither of you are correct. Nobody knows how to say this. Meconium. 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 Yeah. We'll say Marconio. Listen, <clears throat> maybe, maybe it only <laughs> shaves off a few seconds, okay? Mm-hmm. But... I'm telling you, it's John, so much, especially I when you tried have... this after that episode, and you know what happened? <laughs> what happened? Double layers of shits. The shit in the diaper rolled out. You know what? Went I think... on the other diaper, oh, and no. then I got discombobulated because I was juggling two fucking dirty diapers. <laughs> Henry flipped over the changing table, oh, got pooped no. on it, and then I just gave up. And then he walked around naked for the rest of the day, cursing, shitting and then on he everything. Just walked around cursing me the rest of the yeah. day, and then I just took my pants off and shit too, just to just to make it even. <laughs> All right, well, you stand you know, by this. Though. Maybe I stand by it. Maybe I'm just blessed with a couple of kids who don't have like, you know, devastating poops that anymore. That could be it. I mean, there was a period where, where um, Luke was storing them up for a couple of days and then he would just have one devastating atomic bomb poop. Just the nuclear But now it's out. like consistent every morning and it's mm-hmm. like so, so easy to do. Um, I think that specifically with the way that he wants to, you know, do gymnastics while I'm trying to change him. Mm-hmm. When I have the diaper underneath, it's just one less thing that I have to then stop and think about and do. But here's the thing is that the diaper underneath yeah. moves with him, right? Yeah, that part. This is not a frictionless surface. Uh, no, this it's is true. not a nonstick it's true. It's bake true. pan. You're absolutely right so about that. So the whole system but is more of, complicated because now you have motion on top. Yeah. You have motion in the middle. But, but where else would poop. the diaper have been? I mean, the diaper would have been like right in the basket or whatever. Yeah, and then Fold you have it up to, without the exposed inner surface. But after you remove the dirty diaper, the other one's right there already. I, I remove to... it. I mm-hmm. throw it into the terrible thing because mm-hmm. I'm going to have to push it you, down you later. Push I, your well, hand. I can't yet because oh, then I have to move right. away that from the table. It takes two yeah. hands to yeah, get yeah, the yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. giant dipes in that thing. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm coming back, I grab <laughs> oh, the, the new one dipes. and then put it right underneath. And yeah. I mean, I'm making it sound like it's that easy. It's not. It's, I mean, it's, hey, you know what? Screaming every time. You do you. I'm just telling you, it works for me. Um, it worked for at least one blogger that I read it from at some point. Really? Somebody, yeah. So did you get that from somebody else? I did. Really? Yeah. I didn't just make this shit up. I w- was there like a little like hashtag sarcastic thing at the end of it? Yeah. That you just missed. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It wasn't even from a parent. It was just like some theoretical physicist who was like, "I think this would be the easiest way." <laughs> right, right. It was um, Doug actually. Who did it was it. Doug. Yeah. Pretty um, sure it was before he had kids. So there's um, that. And, and, and you know, if you guys have any more uh, feedback on the parenting hacks, please feel free to well, send them in. Well, I mean, we'll continue yeah. to read because we didn't get through very many of them because we. You don't know anything. I mean, we we have to share this one. You know the one I'm about to read. Um, well, this isn't even a parenting hack. This, parenting. this is this was to help me because I was the one who was yeah. asking for help. So I mean, it's sort of a hack, right? Um, I do have to say first before I read this, just disclaimer: this is going to get a little nasty. It's gonna, I almost threw it's gonna, my laptop you in might the garbage wanna, when I was reading this. Just email. sit down if you haven't eaten yet. That's I guess that's a good thing. Don't, it both don't, depends. Yeah. yeah, I don't know which way that. Yeah, could don't go. eat yet. Um, probably not while you're driving. Just pause this for a minute. Just collect you know, yourself. Collect yourself. Sit before down. Before you wreck yourself. Sit down. Yes. All right. So this 
in response to Patrick having a difficult time, and and me too, everybody, I think, right? Uh, a difficult time cutting their nails, their well, actually, toenails. Before, before you read this, if anybody listening to this actually does not have a hard time with this, please write in and tell us how. <laughs> and just skip this Because da- what you're about to hear skip sounds what to like, a, 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 a nightmare, but also <laughs> like it takes three hours to do, because there's, there's a whole pre All right, part. here it is. So Ready? write in. Okay, go. <clears throat> this is okay. this from our friend Dave. From Dave C., and he's going to tell us how to cut his toenails. How to cut your toenails. How to cut his toenails. <laughs> Gather round. Oh, boy. All right. F- step one, use the shower. This will make your nails more pliable and makes them stay in one piece. Oh, my God. I fucking hate this. <laughs> I can't even deal. All right. Step two, sit on the- <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now you're clean. You know, you're going to get out of the shower. What's next, John? <laughs> I can't even. Sit on the toilet. So then you get on a fucking toilet after you <laughs> no, get out no, of the shower. No, be fair, be fair. I think Dave's saying sit on the like the toilet seat. He's not gonna he's not gonna sit on the like toilet. I'm so saying, put your ass in the water of the no. toilet, right? <laughs> you put the top of the seat down, right? Oh, you put the top of the. Oh, that makes more sense. And then and then it becomes. Okay. You've never done this. It becomes like a seat that's in your. It's like a chair. That I mean, becomes I'm, I've occasionally found myself sitting on it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, kind of, but it's still close enough to the pooping surface, you know. All right. Um, step three: put a trash can in front of you. That's key. <laughs> step four. Pick your foot up and rest your heel on the toilet, and then in parentheses, it's almost a yoga move. End parentheses. So he's saying, so so bring your foot as close to your thigh as possible, mm. basically. So yeah. so like it's a it's a total like. So you're you're getting a good stretch here pin. too. Yeah, that's actually, right. That sounds kind of nice. It does. Step five: cut each nail ninety five percent of the way, and then tear. <laughs> <laughs> and then tear them off the rest of the way. Dave, why? There's a section A for this Ugh. one. He actually knew you were going to ask that, so Ugh. there's a section A, 5A, um, which I suppose should be 5B, but we'll, we'll oh, sorry, we'll God, give it to him. dry heaving. <laughs> because your nails are wet and pliable. <laughs> the nine, I can't even, I'm sorry, bro. I got to edit the laughter out. The Ugh. 95% cut is enough to make the, the tear work. That, oh, my God. <laughs> The, the only reason I can even never not puke when I'm reading it is that I'm not actually, like, I'm just reading them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, with your kids, sometimes you just go into that reading mode. You don't even yeah, know right. what you're reading No, I'm envisioning anymore. it because mm-hmm. I couldn't when I was reading it the first time. Yeah, so I'm glad I could do that for you. I'm, I'm going to um, break this down momentarily. Step three, step six, <laughs> throw each one in the trash in front of you. So throw Seven. each of the ripped off nails into the garbage <laughs> That's can. That's correct. Okay. The ripped off nails. Okay. And then step seven, repeat with all nails. There are so many layers of disagreement going on in my head with this. Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know how to clip my toenails, yeah. as we brought up many yeah. times. It is always He's a struggle. He's figured out a method it's that always works. Imp- but this so. method, so hang on. So to clip toenails. Hang on. Oh, to clip toenails, you get in the. Sh- you take a shower first, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm preparing. I'm taking a shower. That part, okay? I, I, I can vouch for that part. I always, clip my, I always cut my toenails after a shower. People say to do that. Yeah, I know. Because they I, are softer. You know, you don't need the weed whacker to do it. That's true. But then it's like, I don't know. I just find it so disgusting. Because you can't find a clean spot to sit on? Maybe that's well, a that's different issue. Well, that's part of it. Because then it's like you get <laughs> out you and need then, to yeah, clean your bathroom. The, maybe it's the bathroom. <laughs> so do you like move the poop on the lid? Yeah, aside? yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, and then it's like you're sitting on the toilet, like with your like genitals just resting on cold porcelain. <laughs> 
oh, with your leg all the okay, way up. Okay, okay. Well, then, okay, there's a key step that I at least, I don't know if Dave missed this. I don't know if he was totally ass naked when he's cutting his nails, which is adding a whole layer of visualization to this. <laughs> the ritual. But uh, for me, I at least get like some boxers on or something before I So you I dried off and then the suppleness, yes. is the suppleness oh, yes. still there? You gotta dry off too. But I mean, I'm not a barbarian. I'm not, nobody goes out of the bath, out of the shower, you know, soaking wet. Well, that's just what I do when people say do it after the shower nail. is I assume they're saying oh, while I you're see wet. What you're, so that, mm-hmm. God, this is disgusting. Yeah, so that is. your nails are still pliable enough, right? It's sort of like when, I mean, you, when you do your, hair your gel. Your nails are gonna be pliable for the next, like, I don't know. How long does that last? Minutes, Twenty minutes, maybe. How long? How long does the keratin remain semi-liquefied? But you got a good fifteen minutes. So if you can dry off and get something on in fifteen, I feel you like know. my nails were bound too quickly. I have my my nails are too healthy for that. <laughs> you should they try haven't it. been used to it. Try it out. I'm report not going to try that. But here's the thing: so you cut it most of the way and then you rip that the part. Nail. Yeah, you that that's the, the part where I diverge. So for one thing, okay, Dave, I understand. I have to. Mm-hmm. I understand that you have more control over the trajectory yeah. of the. Projectile, oh, right? But that, please don't I say rip again. I just so you slowly I'm in pain tear right now. the nail, like, <laughs> and then you have this little jagged thing, yeah, right? That's because the, the rest of it has been cut, and that's then you a, have this little nubbin that will rip your. Yeah, that's one of many problems with this chain of events. <laughs> and then you're going to be always catching your socks until it's too late, and the socks either rip. I rip socks all the time. <laughs> the socks either rip your or, nails or something else. They're very resilient. I'm yeah. telling you, and that's after cutting them sometimes. Yeah. My yeah. nails are that strong. So then, so then it becomes maybe I just don't shower enough. Maybe I don't I'm know. just saying, you know, Dave, if this works for you, I'm proud of you, and I'm also glad that you wrote into the show. Me too. I don't mean to belittle you, but I do mean to tell you that this is a fucking horrible idea, <laughs> and that it sounds like a disaster. I'm, I'm with Dave on everything except the ripping. Okay. I, I think after the shower, I think sit down somewhere in your bathroom. I mean, you know, probably that's the toilet seat, which you should close first. Don't sit so inside don't, the water. Don't just dunk in the water. No. You're not Way looking for a, what's it called, the thing that washes your ass? A bidet. Yeah, you're not looking to do that. Yeah. All right, you just got out of the shower, so just, you know, keep it clean. Okay. And then <clears throat> sit on the toilet seat. And, semi-clothed. Uh, over the, yeah, semi-clothed, dry, over a oh, trash God, bucket. And then, you know, if you don't rip it off like Dave's saying, it, it's true that it's going to fly off a little bit. But I think I think you can, if you get the angle right, you get some practice, you know, it'll go, it'll still go in the just bath. Such a, it'll considering go in the, that uh, this is a barrel. basic thing that every living human does to some degree. Yeah. yeah. Because if you don't, you can't walk, right? At You'd some have a hard point, time. Yeah. everybody I mean, there's those Guinness Book of World Records guys who are just I don't even know. Yeah, but, but they but they like, you know, <laughs> are living in like an ashram and they don't need to wear shoes. <laughs> yeah, and there's that's a lot right. of that's true. That's true. Into, that's right? true. Yeah, and they're yeah. also setting a world record, right? Yeah. For for, for them. basically every single person on the planet. Even in cultures where they don't have like fin- toenail clippers. Yeah. Like you oh, know, they, they use an implement to clip their nails of some kind, right? Um and I feel like it's just a a mess. It is. It's just yeah. a lot of work without very much payoff. What if you just did it outside? I just had that thought. I, you, I you tried were talking that about how once. there's so many yeah. people you know, around the world, and I imagine there's a, you know. I tried that once, and a, somebody a saw me doing it in the backyard popular. when we were in our old place. One of our neighbors <laughs> was on their balcony. Oh, man. And they're like, hey, are you uh, And then they moved out the nails? next day. <laughs> I never talked to them This actually happened? Yes, yes. And what did they say? I, I don't, they were like, they, well, they said hi, and then they like noticed I was clipping my nails, and they got like grossed out by it, and then they went back Oh, I wonder why. Well, why? <laughs> What's so disgusting about it? This is the other thing, is that there's I mean, this stigma around. No, it's true. Everybody does it, okay? Part it's not it, like I was taking a dump. I was clipping my nails. My feet are yeah, clean. Yeah, but you got to do that in private. I mean, when I but said why? outside, I meant like keep that. You got to make sure nobody's around. But why? Why is it so Well, intimate? I think part of it is the sound. That but, part. Nobody wants to hear that. That little thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If you're, I don't, if I mean, you're Dave, it's... <laughs> Oh, man. Followed by... All right, can we move on? I'd rather talk about death than this anymore. 
<laughs> which is going to be the okay, theme yeah, of this we, episode. Okay, we can move on. Hang on, before we do, I got a quick turkey trot. All right, let's hear it. So um, we have, have I mentioned the chicken dog to you before? I don't think so. I'm throwing a lot of nouns out. So a couple years ago in our town, we yeah. got, um, alongside the main thoroughfare, we got these two big chicken compounds set up. They're basically free-range chicken pens. Wow. That are guarded by the chicken dog. And the armored kind of soldiers. legendary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and arm, well, well, now, well, you'll see. Yeah. So this chicken dog basically just runs around between Wait, these pens. Wait, why is it called the chicken dog? Because it's a dog who just lives with the chickens, and oh, it protects the chickens that's from... that's obvious enough. I was still picturing an actual half-dog, half-chicken. Right, it's like a mutant hybrid, yeah, right? Yeah. Which, which is what, what, I mean, I always laugh when people say chicken dog, because yeah, it's like... naturally, that's, really, that's what you think of, right? Like okay. this, like, weird barking, clucking thing. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a really cute, like, you know, mutt that mm-hmm. discards the chickens from the coyotes and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's become kind of a fixture in the town. Do the chickens Everybody have to give him, a, him an offering every month? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. here's one of our chicks for you to, yeah. <laughs> um, so the chicken dog, you know, has, he's pretty chill. But uh, over the last month, so, so let me also just, I only noticed this sort of out of the corner of my eye because I'm driving, yeah. you know, and I just see the chicken pens and I don't really think anything of it. And then over the last month, I kept having this feeling when I passed the chicken pens, like, Something, something horrible something happened. Something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. But like I can't turn around and look at it, you know. Yeah. And then like the next, you know, three days later, I'd be driving past and I'd be like, wait, wait, what, what? So I decided yesterday to actually look at what was going on Uh-oh. in the chicken pens. Yeah. And there are, How did you do that? Reason, Describe that. You stopped the car. I, no, I just put my head through the sunroof and just pedaled to the metal <laughs> as fast as I could and drifted <laughs> fast and furious style. I turn around and I actually look at the pen. Yeah. And there's a sea of what appear to be albino turkeys. No. And the chicken dog is missing. That's freaky. I'm assuming the chicken dog's just on the other side of the street with the chickens. And the, and oh, the I'd assume the turkeys have himself. killed him. But I mean, my first thought was, oh my God, he's been sacrificed. Yeah. And then I was turkeys. like, the chickens mutated. Because they look like chickens, but they're the size of turkeys. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And also now they have a new fence because they're turkeys. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like four feet tall. Wow. It's got like, you know, it goes in. It's like the raptor cages in Jurassic yeah, Park. Yeah, totally. Shooter. <laughs> yeah, shooter. <laughs> so I'm picturing them being electrified. Um, I don't think they actually are. But there, I, what I will is say, the deal though? Is this getting ready for uh, Thanksgiving? Yeah, I guess so. And oh, I was just thinking, that, I was like, oh, man, delicious this is turkey. So weird. There's like this this field of like soon to be. And why are they albino? It is nice though They're that every white. year we get to celebrate the death of these horrible creatures. That's true. We do have a festival built around murdering. Yeah. So I mean, I can get dinosaurs. behind that. Maybe that that's why they hate us. Behind. Like maybe that's huh, why they're interesting. like. Do they have memories like elephants? I think we've talked about. What this do they before. do? Well, no, they're hyper intelligent. No, they're not. Yes, they are. They, they've got to have a tiny, teeny, tiny brain. They're right? hyper intelligent. You just made that. Shit Birds up. in general are very. I intelligent. just learned that cows are a lot smarter than I thought. I, that, I find that controversial. You should look this up. Actually, you'll appreciate it. Especially um, there are there's like they respond to music. And so there's this Cows video do? of like a guy with a, I think it was a trumpet or something. It's insane. He's like playing, I think it's a trumpet. Mm-hmm. And they all come flocking to him. I've never seen anything like it. It's the craziest. Is it because they're like, this is weird? Like this is like some kind of alien Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe they don't give a shit I mean, about what, the what are they doing in response? <laughs> are they just like, like, is no, that food? No, they started doing like synchronized dancing. No, they did not. No, they didn't. They started tap dancing. But apparently they're a lot smarter than we thought. But turkeys, I have no, they can't be. There's no way. But, but birds for their size are very intelligent. Oh, for their size. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's they're, like saying I'm answers, not saying they're, you know, they're not dug the physicists, but, they're, but, you know, but they're, they're intelligent enough. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, Answer uh, strong for their size, I hear. But you know, as soon as I step on them, they're just done, they're just so. nothing. Do, well, actually, of, you know that what goes real far. You know what? <clears throat> I want to segue. Are you ready to segue into the body of the to death? Well, there's one more thing I have to say. Okay, well, because I had a great fucking segue. Now it's ruined. Uh, Thanks very much. Can you save it? So yeah, I'm gonna got it. Bookmark okay, go. it. Okay, I'm gonna bookmark that. I had before I forget this. So I had a moment. It's a quick one. Um, yesterday, where I was thinking about our conversation around. 
um, violence, and then also wanting to like uh, get involved as a parent in what's yeah. going on with your kids. So Grace was in a bouncy house at a birthday party, and um, she was playing with some other boys who were like a little older. You know, some were probably only a year 30s. older. Uh, There's one who was like 50 or so, which yeah, is a problem. Was, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, there was probably one like four-year-old and a five- or six-year-old, I'm going to guess. And they were all in there, and there was a ball that they were playing with. And the two boys were playing with this little ball and very much like excluding Grace from it. And like, you know, and she was like running after them and trying to get the ball. And, you know, they're like, no, you can't. And then she, they would throw it really hard. Mm. And I was just waiting for one of them to say, like, you know, you can't, you're a girl. Mm. And I didn't specifically hear that, but I just like felt that that was part of what was going on. And mm-hmm. it could totally be my own, you know, projecting that on. Um, so I was just like, just listening, didn't get involved, you know. I was thinking to our episode where it's like, you know, you have to actually prevent yourself from yeah. doing anything, right? Um, and maybe if they said something about the girl thing, I would say like, you know, gently, you know, that that makes no difference or try to like, oh my God, how embarrassing would you be to Grace at that point? Well, she's not at the age to be embarrassed. Excuse me. Yeah, 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 exactly. Excuse me. But see, she's at the age now where she probably would appreciate it. But anyway, so this is what happened. I, I stayed silent and then, um, I think I, I turned away for a little bit because, you know, I wasn't paying total attention. She was in the bouncy house having fun still. And then I look over and she had gotten the ball and she throws it out of the bouncy house so that none of them can use it Whoa. anymore. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, that's that's kind of awesome. I mean, Wow, good for her. I mean, on one hand, it was of. like, yeah, exactly. Because it's like <laughs> she's being a little brat probably and just like, you know, now nah, none of you can play with it. Oh, well, I don't blame but her. But at the same time, I was like, yeah. And then I saw the exact same thing happen again with a soccer ball where they were like, it was so sad. Just I was watching her from up on a deck and she mm. was out in the grass playing and she was just chasing after them and could not get anywhere close yeah. to them they were way faster than her. <laughs> Breaks my heart. Um, it does. And then, you know, but then all of a sudden I look over and she had thrown the soccer ball <laughs> over to like some area where they couldn't get it. And one of the kids was off crying. Oh my God. And I was like, all right, that's my girl. Oh my God. Um, but I don't actually want her to make kids cry. And then she like shoved his face in the dirt. Yeah, exactly. I, so I had that with Face Hen- first I, in the muck. Because with, yeah, with Henry a lot, he wants to play with Jude and the older kids. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and, he, and he does, but like he can't, can't keep up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's like so Isn't heartbreaking it? watching him desperately trying to play, and I then know. they like throw the ball over his head, and, and he, all like, the time I it. like I want to be like you know this happens with Grace and Lou mm-hmm. too, and I'm like Grace, you know, let him blah blah blah, but I also I don't want like I do want to oh, let them work so out sad. some of that, so it's yeah, but then like he'll trip and he'll be like on the ground, and then I like oh. I always like run over and like hug him, I know, and then he, and then he just like pushes me away, and then yeah. as soon as he catches up with the kids, he just punches them as <laughs> far as he can, because he doesn't care exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, he like pins him down and just starts hitting, and I'm like Henry, Henry can take care of himself. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's. That's a for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's a fucking monster. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, right, anyway, segue, so so, segue, transi- yes, so, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go back. This is this is impressive mental gymnastics, oh, considering how tired I am. Yeah, because I'm just always, always, just always. Uh-huh. Just life is being tired. Just one. Yep. So you were talking about killing an ant. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Today we're talking about death. I do with great satisfaction. Yeah. Well, here, well, here's I think a good starting point. Yeah. A very. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about our own histories with deaths and, and how we've dealt with them. Sure, and a little bit how about how we transmit that. How, yep. About resurrection, life after death. I'm on number five um, right now. Yeah, mostly we're just going to be talking about zombies today. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, our kids and talking about death with kids. Yeah, um, should I, be an enjoyable episode. We're probably going to avoid <laughs> talking about the deaths of children. I think that might be a little bit. Oh boy, yeah, I, I can't go there. Can't don't really even know. I'm going to pretend you didn't even say that. Yeah, we're just yeah. not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But um, not to say it's not something that obviously we think about. Oh, well, you know. That's that's too heavy for. for Let's this just episode. put that in a box. Put that in a box and not talk about yep. it for now. Maybe someday we'll you know, have somebody on to talk about that. But um, we're also going to talk 
I hope, about deaths of animals. Yeah. And specifically starting things off on a very micro scale, I don't kill bugs. Yeah. And this is something that... That's Bethany's with you there, so this will be an interesting one to talk about because, yeah, keep going. So I, I really um, don't think it's okay to do that yeah which which is which is crazy i, I realize no that no i people... don't think it's crazy i i mean <clears throat> i have different opinion on this obviously because i just said how much i enjoy killing ants but but the thing is so right now we're dealing with the sort of minor infestation of stink bugs do you, mm, do you have stink oh bugs? oh man stink bugs i don't it's funny because the first thing i can think of is the great book by uh john oliver uh he it's not by him but he like paid for it right you know about this right the, which one uh, uh what's the bunny called so oh, Mike Pence yeah, wrote that's about, right. Oh, and I have that book, and I read. You know, Grace loves oh, it. I forget what it's called. I wish I could give it. <clears throat> yeah, um, Trump. I mean, Pence is a stink bug. Oh my god, that's right. It's that's amazing. So funny. Yeah, right. I, I, I got to read it. <clears throat> so anyway, it's worth a read. I wish I remember the name of it, but I'm sure just by those things you can Amazon search it. Yeah, buy it and give us the something bunny subscription money. <laughs> so um, stink bugs. Yeah. So I don't well, have we've them, been having. I've like, heard how horrible they like, are. It's like every night there's like one or two, and mm-hmm. it's usually in their bedroom. And Micah. Hates. Have you read the New Yorker article about them? No. Oh, don't. I just won't. Just but look it up on Google. We're giving people a lot of things to Google. We are, this. yeah. We're, it's horrifying. You know, it's, use your it's, brain, it, it people. Is, it is a horror movie, but it's not around. I think it's more north from here. I don't know. Anyway. Well, it's just it's just <clears> weird. <throat> it's just like these very minor things. Micah absolutely hates stink bugs, and she yeah. has no reservations about killing them. Okay, good. So and we she have does a similar... it gleefully and aggressively. Yeah, like, same. It's I'm like with a big her. Thing, right? Go, Micah. Uh-huh. So, um, and I think most most people probably are. I'm just not because I I find. You know, I kind of overthink that a little bit, and the the fact that like we're so much more um, consequential as beings mm. than them that yeah. I feel like it's it's sort of unfair to do that in a yeah. way because like because they pose no threat to us and we're technically encroaching on their environment. It's the natural world, and we built something on it. So like I'm I'm kind of like it's okay to cohabitate if something mm. poses a threat. Mm-hmm. Like certain, I don't kill all spiders. Yeah, but there are certain spiders like the one that bit me as a child. That I know are, which is not my Spider-Man <laughs> origin because, story. Yeah, exactly. And I'm also <laughs> laughing because I, you know, I imagine you like taking the steps to look at, identify the type of spider, getting a microscope out, and then as soon as you've confirmed that's the kind that bit you once, you're like, all right. You <laughs> yeah, know. Just, Otherwise, like, you let it go. I just take a gun and just shoot it. Yeah. Um, no, but I really do. Like, I took because because I got bitten by like a, a spider that actually like ate away some of the tissue on my leg, and so I still have some scar tissue. Holy from that. shit! And it was like a you know like a, it's something that I carry to, with me to this day. Yeah, know? I don't want our kids to have that origin so, story. Um, so like if there's a recluse or something, you know, I will kill it. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I don't kill bugs, mm-hmm. and part of that is because I want to model to the boys to like not yeah. just sort of blindly use your power in those situations. Yeah, and kind of think through it a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but it's something that I know is not a cultural norm. You know, it's it's usually most people take great joy in killing I don't flies know. and mosquitoes. I don't, and I'm things curious like that. how other parents do deal. I with do this kill mosquitoes. Um, oh yeah, mosquitoes. I do. I fucking absolutely. hate mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. I do kill them. If you can, I mean, it's not easy to kill them. But so have you? So you've <clears throat> killed bugs in front of the kids. I have, and I have definitely you been asked about. So it first of all, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit because, like, I think I'm sure a lot of parents can relate to this at least in terms of like stopping to think about it when you're mm-hmm. doing it in front of kids. You know, because I think that does is a new element to it. Um, that the model that you're setting, um, and Bethany, you know, like I just said, she will not. She's totally with you. Whatever you just said, does and, she take him outside? Um, she'll mostly. She just has me do the dirty work. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> she's okay with me killing them. Yeah. Um, but she won't. I try. To, I try. To, I use a cup and a piece of paper. Or something That's exactly what she used to yeah. do. Yeah. But right. now I think she realizes, you know, that. It takes a long time, and you it know, does, yeah. so she just lets me do with them what I will. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, like, you're you're yeah. the mercenary, exactly. It's like, do your thing, John. Yeah, exactly. That's what um, she sounds like. And then like, she actually. can go on without you know living with a 
a uh, guilty conscience. Right, right. So um, I don't know. I guess <clears throat> so. I've done it in front of the kids, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know what? I don't know how much this plays into it, but I say, I'll say this: I have a problem with how much um, we tend to anthropomorphize. <laughs> anthropomorphize. Thank you, anthropomorph. Between the canker and my own brain, I can't even. <laughs> um, animals. Yeah. Um, because I just think, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> we just talked about, you know, turkeys and how small their brains are. And, of course, I'm just making Brilliant. shit up. I don't even know. But, like, at the same time, I'm pretty sure they don't have, like, human, you know. Th- I mean, I know they don't have human feelings. I don't know that they have any actual feelings, as we would call them, or emotions that we mm-hmm. would identify with. And... I I guess in the in the case of um, pests, you know, which is how I would describe these, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem because I mean, f- since the beginning of humanity, I have to believe that like we killed pests, for, even for be- just being annoying. Like imagine you know something in your eye or. But you don't think it's crazy to kill something for being annoying? Because Micah brings that up sometimes. I guess she, you're she'll right. Be like, she'll be like, well, I guess. it's annoying. Like it, this this yeah. bug is driving me crazy, and I'm like, you murdered something because it was. But see that annoying language, you? that language alone, like you murdered something. How, I mean, wh- then what is it? You hunted it. But what do you believe happens? Did you in one way or the other? Did you do you eat think, it? Do you think it, it's like something that has feelings that wants to necessarily? Like it's I just, think that I don't have enough data to answer that question yeah. because I think that they perceive the world differently than we do. Yeah, and this is why I don't fish anymore, which sucks because, as we mentioned, I was the president of the angling club in high school, <laughs> <laughs> and I love fishing, and I would still like to at some point yeah. get to a place where I feel okay you doing can throw it them again, back, right? But no, I guess I, it's and still that's painful. what I, I've, I've yeah. never, I never keep them. I, in the past, yeah. I always and I was very careful. I wore special gloves that would not protect the slime coat and. You you know, and use barbless hooks and things like that. Yeah. Because I've, I've always been sensitive about this. But mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the reality is that fish do experience pain, and that's part of why they fight back so much, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that a bu- if you've ever tried to kill an, uh, a bug and you've seen it crawling away for its life and yeah. not felt some pathos in that, mm. I mean, I feel like... But it see, the pathos is, is like, yeah, I mean, you're right. There's not enough data for me to conclusively say, and maybe there is, and I just haven't looked at it or read it, you know, the experiments that have been done on this and whether uh, bugs or other, you know, what kinds of animals might have emotions. Um, but maybe, does the absence of emotion give you the right to just kill it? For example, a sociopath yeah. doesn't have emotions I think in the way that we recognize that's them. True, right? That's true. That's true. I think that... We have a, at least the way I look at it is I think I have a um, spectrum of emotions that I can, or, or empathy, um, which doesn't and make where sense. Does it, where because, does it turn on? Yeah, I'm point? not sure. That's a great question. Right? I don't know exactly what kind of animal Would you step would, on a deer that was but bothering certainly you? certainly no. <laughs> right? Would yeah, you step no, on a it's mouse? A, it's a great point. But would you part step of on me a mouse? thinks like that's stupid. Like I shouldn't really care as much about a deer or a mouse either. But would you, would you, would you step on a mouse if it was bothering you? No. Ooh. But would you use a mouse trap and kill it? Yes, I've right. done it before. Which is like the trolley experiment, right? You know that you know the trolley. No, I don't think the I trolley, do. It's a it's like a, a philosophy thought experiment. Mm. The idea oh, I might have actually brought this up on the show before, but yeah, anyway, maybe I wasn't the, the idea. Yeah, not, yeah, what else is new? <laughs> the idea is, um, you know, you ask people if they would be comfortable. Um, so there's a trolley on tracks, right? And there's like five people on one. I've definitely oh, brought this up on the show before. Uh-huh. And there's five people on one side of the tracks and one people and one person on the other side of the tracks. Yeah. And the trolley's not going to stop. Spider Man. Would to you do be this. willing to? <laughs> that's true. It, <laughs> it comes up a lot on the show. Yeah. Would you be willing to switch the tracks? Um, you know, away from the five people to kill the one person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the people are very comfortable with certain ideas, like yeah. p- for example, pulling a switch and while well, they're in another room and doing yeah. it. Yeah. But if you have to actually manually do it, or if you have to push somebody onto the tracks to divert mm-hmm. the train, things like that. Oh God. People very different That's responses, horrible, right? yeah. But so the idea with killing a, like to me, Peter the lizard, 
Peter Parker again with the fucking Spider-Man's yeah, in every episode. Yeah. Like he, I mean, he keeps me company. He sits on my shoulder all the time. He's very much a part of our family. I know he's not going to live forever. You know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's just a, he's quote unquote, just a lizard, mm-hmm. but I, I see genuine depth in him. And, and I, and I recognize that even though he's only, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. eating and shitting, yeah. you know, and nuzzling that like that, that's still, there's still a spectrum of existence to, Oh, to there's certainly of, an existence, right? but I don't think there's emotion. I don't think there's thought. But why is emotion the thing that makes you want well, to preserve life? Well, I think there's, a, there's just a very real distinction between a human and an animal. And and like here's a, an example where that line is even finer, and I still think it's the right call. So a few years ago, there was a uh, a child, a toddler who had escaped into um, oh, it was Coco. It wasn't Coco, mm. but it was a gorilla. Coco died recently. Oh no, not Coco. No, no. It was, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the gorilla. Oh, but, Harambe. Yeah. And yeah. now a gorilla, I believe to be, you know, I mean, from everything I hear about gorillas, they are amazing creatures. Uh, I don't know if they have emotions or thoughts, you know, um, but they are obviously very close to us in the mm-hmm. evolution of animals and, um, and and a child, you know, snuck in or whatever. And uh, they were concerned, even though I don't think the gorilla necessarily, I mean, I think the gorilla was starting to drag him, so that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the zoo people, you know, came in and they shot the gorilla dead. Right, which you have to um, do. Which is horrible, the, but the, I think, but now, if that were a human, <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. I, first of all, I mean, it's, I guess it's hard to imagine, because if it were a human, you know, doing something like dragging a kid, then it would probably be a really bad human, and that brings up a whole other set of mm-hmm. <laughs> issues. Um, but my point is the, the calculation between, you know, that decision of shooting dead an animal versus shooting dead a person, I hope mm-hmm. is very different. Mm-hmm. And so if you're saying there's a Even though there are a lot of similarities physiologically yeah, with humans. Right. Life. And specifically, if you're looking at a gorilla, you know, um, which is a closer ancestor to us than a fucking bug, mm-hmm. um, then, and you're still saying, okay, that's justified, then mm-hmm. you are making a distinction. And so I don't know but, but to that's what extent. Different because that's a matter of, that is me looking at a spider on the wall and killing the spider because it poses a threat. Right? Yeah. The issue with the gorilla isn't that it was posing an immediate threat because mm-hmm. it was it was actually being really sweet yeah, right, at the yeah, time. Yeah. But, but gorillas are concerned. so unfathomably strong right. that if something were to happen, if it got confused, it would be an instantaneous death. And right. also there's a language barrier, obviously, yeah. because we can't talk to the gorilla in a language that it can understand effectively enough to stop, right? Right. So that's I totally understand why that happened. Yeah. But in the case of just like killing, you know... Um, a bug because it's frustrating you. I, I take issue with that. That being said, no, I hear you, and I don't. I don't actually feel I'm not like I'm judge somebody. No, who no, does no. It. But I don't feel like I'm morally in the right on this. Like I don't. I, I guess it's something I haven't spent enough time really deeply thinking about, and I probably won't because <laughs> I'm okay because they're fucking bugs and they could die. It, and that's um, and that's a judgment call that's totally fine to make. And, and in the past, I did feel that way. Yeah, yeah. But part of having kids to me was realizing that I'm killing these insects in front you of them. You have to at least be able to explain that and defend it if you're going to do right. it. I agree with you. And they lo- they're always like, kill it, kill yeah, it, kill yeah. it. And I was like, oh man, this is <laughs> They're like weird. in the room, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the Coliseum. Yeah, putting they're the like, thumbs. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Uh, I just, I, yeah, like from Gladiator, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I don't want death to mm-hmm. be that simple for them because it's not yeah right but see i think the other piece that comes to, into mind for me is like uh i have a problem with how easily we can justify it for like eating it you know at an industrial mm-hmm. scale mm-hmm. um like and if you're gonna if you're gonna have an issue with killing them because it's in front of you then we should probably have an issue with killing them because you're eating them when you could eat other stuff you know which i'm not i don't like i i think that we're still in the right for eating animals because again me too. if i if i believe that then i'm obviously right then and there saying that animals are less than us right mm-hmm. otherwise we wouldn't eat them mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
I don't know. I'm I'm a little. I I feel like I'm okay with exposing my kids to it, um, and I feel like death. You know, it maybe this is a good segue to death in a broader context as well. I think it's something that's good to expose kids to, and I'm not hearing you say otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, well, we're think, saying the same thing, which is that yeah. it's worth acknowledging. That's right, and right? being thoughtful about. Yes. Yeah. So, I, but through. I do want to be clear that I don't think I'm in the in the right on this one. I know Bethany would disagree for sure, and. Uh, I'm sure some but of our I listeners. But I don't think I'm necessarily well. in the right. Yeah, I mean, who the, who the I, fuck I, knows? I actually, yeah, I actually don't yeah, like. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's not like I'm like. Oh, I know. He stepped on a bug. I mean, yeah. I don't care. It's just me personally. Like, I, I think about how that bug functions in the ecosystem that it operates. And right. I feel like right. kind of weird about taking a because I'm so much more powerful than than that animal. Yeah. And and just because I'm bored, like I think you know what would the opposite be if you know there was some deity, this gigantic monster that could just like step <laughs> on you know, which maybe there is. Who fucking knows? Yeah. Right. right. Anyway, um, so the idea is being being intentful and conscious when we talk about yeah, death. Yeah. So I want to say, but I think a bit. I think we're in agreement about not dodging it too. Yeah, you know? exactly. Right. Because I think right. that's an important. Okay, so you're going to segue us, but I want to. I don't know if, how well how much it connects into that, but I was going to ask you whether you've had the yeah. experience of bringing kids to like a funeral or a wake or that kind of mm. thing, because I think that's another place where um, you have to stop and think about like, is the child prepared for that? How are you going to talk through it? Um, or do you just sort of you know? Um, leave it for later because there's different right. developmental stages. Right. So the the short answer is no. Yeah. The quick answer is that <laughs> the short answer and the quick answer. <laughs> I'm like, answer. wow, I want to hear this one. <laughs> yeah, the really quick yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the the, the sort of semi sidestep medium is answer. that the medium answer is that uh, we have experienced the death of our cat, mm-hmm. which was pretty traumatic because oh, the bet. cat was a big part of our family. And, but and was, there since they were born, the boys. Well, Jude, yeah. Henry, Jude. Henry Henry just missed out on oh, meeting Peanut, right. actually. Yeah. But the quick, quick story behind this is Peanut was our cat that I got when I was in school. Um, and he was just this wonderful animal. Mm. He was just a, a very special cat. And it, it was really, really sweet and really personable and really quiet and was very much like a lap dog. He yeah. just like, loved to be held. and loved awesome. to just sort of, you know, he was a really great, cat was like that. <laughs> he was a really great friend. <laughs> Um, to me and, and to Micah and then to Jude, which was mm-hmm. great. And Jude got a few really nice years with him. Um, but he was diabetic and it was a kind of a constant issue yeah. for us because we would, and we went hugely into debt and we kept him alive for a long time. And, and the idea was, you know, as he's getting older, if this happens again, that will be it because yeah. it's not fair to him anymore. Right. right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that happened, Jude already had a relationship with him and Micah and I had to have a sort of a conversation about how we were going to couch it with Jude. Yeah. Because it was his first real exposure to death in any way. Right. Um, and it was crazy difficult. I bet. So wait, how old was he? I think he was three when this okay. happened. Um, it was very difficult because I don't think, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, that it's okay, for and at least for me, mm-hmm. to youth... To, oh my God, to euthanize, Jesus Christ. <laughs> to uh, to eulogize... Not eulogize... Oh my God, these are no, all it death is, things. It is euthanized. No, oh, I know. Oh, no, but not I'm not talking about, about euthanizing or eulogizing. Oh, I'm talking about euphemizing. Oh, euphemizing, yeah, yes. Wow, man, that's a, there's a, some root back there. Yeah. So to euphemize it too much. Yeah. Because I don't... I, I, I But at the same time, I don't want to like have him lose his innocence. But the reality is that Peanut didn't just go on vacation forever. He died, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And... And this is a very different conversation that I do want to discuss in this episode. Yeah. We are not a religious household. Yep. And I don't, but we're also very, Mike and I have both at various times in our lives been religious. Mm-hmm. It's something that we're very comfortable with. It's something that um, we expose our, you know, I go to church to sing, you know, it's something that we expose yeah. the kids to. Yeah. But it's not something that we're choosing to live our lives abiding by. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. So Jude is aware that some people believe in, and. Christian theology and some people believe in other religions and things yeah. like that and some we do, we do in magic deliberately <laughs> expose him to that so he talks to people about it yeah. you know 
because we want him to get to a point where he feels ready to make decisions for himself about what to believe in or not to mm. believe in and, and to know that the world is a pluralistic one where you can choose to believe whatever you want yeah. in the absence of evidence, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so all of this was going on in my head as we were dealing with how to tell Jude the next day what had happened, mm-hmm. right? And um, what we ended up, I ended up just telling him that Peanut was dead. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. Not that he went to heaven, not that he went to pet heaven. Just dead. That he was dead. And, and how I, did you... Res- oh, keep going, sorry. Well, and, and, and I followed up with that with, um, you know, we don't know what happens at that point, and maybe he is somewhere else, maybe he's not, but for our purposes, we were choosing to just assume that he's gone, mm-hmm. and now his memory constitutes his life for us. Mm. So we will continue to remember him and continue to talk about him and keep him alive in our memories and in our hearts. Mm, that's nice, yeah. And in doing so, he will live as long as we're here to talk about him mm. in that way. But yeah. in a physical sense, he's not coming back and he's gone. Yeah. Um, and I want to bookmark Coco. For I was second. just going to say it's yeah, Coco, right? <laughs> right, exactly. But before I do, we'll get back to that. But yeah. I, have you been in that situation before? Um, so I haven't with pets yet. I mean, we have a cat as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's still fairly young. Um, I don't even remember how old he is now. I think he's like six, maybe. Okay. So I guess that's getting up there. Cats live pretty long, I think it depends long, right? on the cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think... Well, some th- cats... I think the longest lived cat just turned like 27. Really? Or something like that. Yeah. There's wow. like an article about it. Usually, it's probably, it's probably usually it's like in the teens, toenails. right? Yeah. Yeah, usually like... I think Peanut, when he died, was 12. And yeah. he, he was very sick, so that's, yeah. that's part of it. But right. yeah, something like that. Um, so I think the only time um, Grace has been exposed to this... really, I mean, Luke was also because he was born at the time but i mean he was like you know uh maybe a month old Mm -hmm. was when bethany's grandmother died Mm. who grace i don't let's see i think she met her maybe once or twice but like probably when grace you know met her she didn't remember her yeah um so she wasn't someone that we saw often but but we went to the wake and we brought grace um and uh my nephews were there and they're older Grace would have been, you know, two and a half. Mm -hmm. And I think she was just in this window where we could bring her. And it wasn't really, like, a big deal. You know, something that um, I honestly don't even remember the specific conversations we might have had. Like, certainly we would have told her that, that, you know, mama lost her grandmother, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But it was pretty, like, straightforward. And, you know, honestly. Did she ask what that meant? No. I mean, because, again, it was at a a stage where, like, you know, I feel like maybe a few months after that even, she's much more into the why, why, why. Mm -hmm. So if it were now, now that she's three, would have been much different. But at that point, at least, um, you know, she was, like, playing with her cousins, you know, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even, like, even though there's a body there. And I'm pretty sure with her cousins at one point, if I remember correctly, um, you know, she went right up to the body. Wow, and so it was like an open casket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So which, you know, again, I feel like there's like a window of time when they're babies or maybe up until, you know, for Grace, again, that was probably two and a half where I guess it wasn't it wasn't registering fully necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we might have used some, you know, language around the fact that she's now is like sleeping forever or something like that, you know, which would, I think, is more accessible to someone at that age who mm-hmm. sees a body, right? So, um, so there was that. And I know my nephews had been through the loss of their dog, and I probably had been to um, at least funerals. I'm not sure about wakes. So they could grasp it a little bit more. But it was really interesting to see different ages and how they were sort of, you know, there. But I really, I felt good about having them there. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I would do if that were now. I think I think I would do the same thing and have her there, but I think I'd have to really spend a lot more time um, talking to her about it, and then explaining what she's seeing mm-hmm. and, and all of that. Um, now, we are religious. You know, we've talked about this, and I really want to do an episode on religion because I think yeah, it's an should. important one 
for us to talk about. Um, but so I think we have that framework, you know, that we would probably embrace to explain some mm-hmm. of that. Um, but but yeah, it'll be really interesting. I mean, I haven't faced it yet in the way that you have in having to um, describe it with, you know, frankly, some even an animal in that case would have been much closer to Grace if it were our cat than right. Bethany's grandmother right. at the time who Grace, you know, didn't even have memory of. Well, to me, there was like a, a, a switch that got flipped around the time Jude turned four, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit after that, where he started asking me about death yeah. more. And um, the f- that sounds like it's the first time, the time it really like came up in depth was actually when we were talking for some reason about the Shark Lord. It was like during <laughs> those conversations. And then he was like, what happens when we die? I don't even remember. I don't remember what the, the bridge was to it, but it was something about like the Shark Lord, like visiting from another realm or something. Mm. I, don't, I don't remember. Anyway, but, but he goes like, where do we go when we die? And I was like, ooh, because oh, this is like nine o'clock. And He's you're not prepared. It's not like with the cat. You had prepared yourself. <laughs> exactly. I was so like, what'd you oh, do? my God. So uh, I said basically what I said with Peanut, which yeah. was that we don't know. I think that's really beautiful, and, though, the and memory that, part of it. You and know, it's Coco. The it's, memory, yeah. right, but that's exactly, to me, what, how we should raise kids. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, I th- and part of what, to me, can be a little problematic with religion, and I'm not judging, again, I've been very religious before in my life. Yeah. I'm not judging that. No. Is that it provides but quick can, answers okay. to those questions. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm a heretic. very open to that. But it provides quick answers to things like that, right? Yeah. If you believe in it. If, right. you really, if you really believe that you go to a, a palace in the sky when you die. Yeah. With many rooms and with angels and things like that. I mean, like I'm that, probably going to go to a really then, hot place, but yeah. yeah really hot. <laughs> then, um, uh, I meant flames and all that, but I was just kidding. I hope I don't go there. <laughs> no, that'd be pretty, if it does pretty intense. It's probably gonna, this podcast, Satan listens to the podcast. Oh, man. He does. We're doomed. We're doomed. Um, then you you have a very quick thing. And I, that's what I was told as a yeah, kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it helped me a lot. Uh-huh. Um, when I experienced death as a child, my parents would always put it in the context of, um, it's okay because they're going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And you'll see them again, right? Yeah. But I think that it's helpful to give workarounds to that because I know that when I stopped being religious, it was kind of hard for me to figure out how to deal with of course. that stuff. Well, right? I mean, I, I would think it's a time where you have to really question it in yourself. Like, what do I believe, mm-hmm. right? Right. And the reality is is, is that all, all that I personally believe in is the inability for us to actually know. Yeah. And I think that that's really liberating. Yeah. And once you can not be afraid of that and and be happy about it, mm. like realize that like none of us has a leg up on anybody else and we have no clue mm. about anything. I'm with you there. You know and, what I mean? You know, right? this will be interesting when we do talk about it in the context yeah, of religion too, as well. Yeah, I don't want to get too into it. No, but. no, but but I think it's an, it's obviously such an important part of, I mean, you could even argue that that is what maybe has kept religion. Maybe maybe that's some of why religion exists is how to handle it. Don't you we, think? How do we it handle the death? question that's impossible to answer? Exactly. Because there is no evidence. Yeah. There is no way to but monitor it. the way it. I look There's at no way it, to know. Exactly. So but if you can tell somebody something and they can give them a framework where it makes sense enough for them to believe yeah, in it and yeah. to live their whole lives working towards that thing. Yep. I mean, it's it's the thing, the, the reality is, and I'll get back to you in one second. Yeah, yeah. The reality is that every single one of us, when we're four or five years old, sits up at night and thinks, what happens when we die? That's right. Right? Yeah. And I still do that all the time. I'm still wrestling with that. Yeah. I still think about that all the time. And it hits me, the the rapidity with which time is passing. Yeah. The amount of things that I still want to do in my life, the amount of experiences that I still want to have, and knowing that there's a finite cap to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that gives life a lot of value, but it's also so scary. Right? It is. <sighs> Yes, it is. If you allow yourself to think about it. No, no, it is. I mean, I've found, I've found, and I wanted to ask you about this too, that there's been a transformation for me. Um, I mean, there's also like some perspective here that, you know, I mean, I don't want to call it a near-death experience, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, having cancer certainly was a moment for me to really 
um, think about this more. And did uh, you did you ever during that? Um, you know, really think I don't think I, I don't think I ever really believed that I was going to die. And you were you so know, young because it was so. I mean, I had testicular cancer. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, how old was I? Twenty one. Like Twenty one. Twenty two. Probably right. Twenty two. I think. I've never actually thought about it in terms of the exact age. I know I was yeah. a senior in college, um, and so it definitely got me thinking about my my mortality. Generally, you know, like mm-hmm. what was this going to do for my lifespan, even? But I didn't think, you know, I knew pretty early on that this was a very um, uh, treatable kind of cancer, mm-hmm. and that chances were pretty good that I was going to be treated and uh, and live a healthy life still. And thankfully, I have <laughs> um, almost, you know, almost ten years later. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what I was going to say, though, is there's been... Oh, let's see. I wanted to come back to something you said earlier before I jump onto this. Oh, okay. So the religion thing for me, here's how it plays out. I think I imagine myself to explain it to Grace. It isn't that I'll say, oh, he went to heaven. Mm-hmm. It's that we we believe that he will go to heaven and maybe explain a little bit about what that means or whatever. But I the we believe part is really important to me because mm-hmm. um, I I agree with you that I don't know. I really don't. And as much as I can believe it... Um, I, my faith, my religion is very much a, uh, I don't know, practicing that curious mind and that skepticism, a healthy skepticism. So mm-hmm. like, do I really believe this? Cause I certainly don't want to be telling my kid, um, I don't want to be doing it in a way that's like, this is absolutely what's going to happen. You know, if I don't even believe that. And I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I really don't know. Um, and I know, and I respect the fact that there are so many religions or, um, other ways that people talk about this, you know, or, or no religion at all. And I think who the fuck am I to know what is really going to happen? Right. But you know, I believe, I believe that's what's going to happen and I'll teach it to my kids and I will also encourage them to explore what other people believe and Mm -hmm. let them, you know, so I think we actually come out in a similar place in terms of wanting to cultivate that, um, critical mind, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and letting them develop their own framework for understanding the world. Cause like at the end of the day, that's how I see religion. It's, it is a framework for you to understand uh, how to be a good person, you know, and what the hell the purpose of all this is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so anyway, so what I've found now, once I had kids in particular, I don't know, I feel like I'm less worried about my own death, um, less preoccupied with it. And like on one hand, it, it's really sad to think about because it's that means you you lose the experience with your kids. On another hand, I think... We, we end up so much more of our time is preoccupied with keeping them alive. <laughs> right, right. You know, and worrying about bad stuff happening to them and yourself. You know, well, there's and, like and a fading less, away of self. It's less solipsistic. It's yes. Not, you're not, you're not look, looking at yourself all the time. You're looking at yeah. other people that you're responsible for. And so you, you become, by nature of that arrangement, a little bit less internally important. Right? That's right, yeah. Um, and I think generally, I don't know. I don't want to just like put this out there and not mean it, but I don't, I don't think I'm very, I'm not really afraid of death. <laughs> mm. Like I don't, I, I wouldn't use the word fear. Like it's gonna suck, <laughs> duh, right? Right. Um, to lose, because I since I don't know, I can't confidently say I'm gonna go to heaven and it's gonna be party time every day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, because that'd be awesome to totally believe it 100, percent and then I'd be. But I think that does it plays into it that I think that's what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not party time. I don't know what it's gonna be. But I don't. I don't find myself afraid of it or really even thinking about it very often about me anymore. I don't know. I'm I'm really just trying to digest quali- this and think should, through it myself. I should now. I should qualify when I say fear. Um, I don't mean it in terms of I worry about dying, like the act of dying. Like, yeah, no, I, no, that's not and, what I'm. And hearing. I don't worry about it's what the happens non-existence after that. part. No, it's not. No, not okay. at all. No, because I've already experienced that. I think that's really important to, oh, to be aware of. Is that we are born. That's an interesting you know? way to put it. We, yeah. we come we come from 
that, yeah, yeah, right? And then yeah. we leave, right? Right. And that wasn't bad, we, you know, right? Like yeah. before we existed. It just was. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> so like when you try to conceptualize of eternity, it's that. It's mm-hmm. just nothing. It's, mm-hmm. and, and we've already we've already been there before, right? Because we didn't, at some point, we didn't exist. Right. So there's that, which, so I'm not afraid of that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more um, just aware of how special my life is mm. to me yeah. and the people in my life and, and the art and the experiences and the connections that I made mm-hmm. and the day-to-day sensory experience of being a living person, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I don't want to let that go. Yeah. That's, that's true because, and, and I, don't, I don't think it has anything to do with not having a framework to think about what happens next. I think it's more just that this is really powerful. Part of something, yeah. something to me that um, I think can be a little bit damaging about having a, a religious framework for post-death stuff mm-hmm. is that uh, some people, and not you, I think you have a really healthy <laughs> framework on it, but some know. people can start focusing too much on that side of it yeah, and not enough on the current one. Ugh, I know. And they can start doing good There's things. There's points in history, right, where this has played out in really bad ways. I mean, the, <laughs> I mean now too. September yeah. 11th is yeah. based on yeah, that, right? That's, right. That's, literally, that's, right. that's where, where zealotry comes from, yeah. right? So if you act in a way that will allow you access to something after you die, as right. opposed to just acting that way because the world is a better place if you do that. Totally, totally. Right? Then mm-hmm. you shift your, then you're doing, like you, you end up doing all these great things, but like you're a fucking hypocrite yeah. living an empty lie just yeah. so you can get somewhere, right? Right. Like a suicide bomber having no problem murdering humans yes. because he's going to yes. get his virgins in, in heaven, right? Right. That, and that's just something that I feel like is really powerful to avoid. Right? I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so when I think about death and I think about... Uh, exposing the kids to it i really try to think about how to equip them to not be in a position where they would need something like that to feel okay yeah and to try to continually reference things like yeah. memory and the and the webs that we spin against spider-man ah. in our lives and so coco to me is a wonderful oh it's so good and what a gift to have a movie to be able to show kids that you can reference so that mm-hmm. they have the language or even some vague you know understanding of this that's really powerful and i was watching it and i was like this is exactly what we did with the mm-hmm. peanut situation it sounds the like the it's the first thing. thing i thought of yeah and and it's wonderful that the dia that the dia de muertos is basically just a way to formalize that yeah. and, to, and to be like we will never forget it's such these a people, beautiful holiday right? yeah and so something that I think we do a lot mm-hmm. inspired by that is we look at pictures of people who have passed. Yeah. And we, you know, reference them. We name our children after, you know, like yeah. Jude's middle name is after my uncle who uh-huh. I was just really close to. And he died very suddenly. Um, when Mike and I basically had first started dating. So mm. she, she had like a year basically to know him and, and he really made a huge impression on her. Yeah. It's like I, I grew up and I'm like, um, these people are on my mind all the time. You yeah. Know? Yeah. In my family, there's been a ton of death. Um, mm. I, I really think compared to most people, and I think it's partly a genetic thing because of heart issues in, mm. in my family on both sides. Um, and also just the fact that my parents, um, that their parents were like a little bit older yeah. and, and that they didn't have kids until a little bit later compared to you know when I had kids in my life. So right. just the, the age of people has been a yes, little bit yes, higher. Yes, yes, yes. Coupled with lifestyle things like, you know, old school Italian diets where you eat a lot of carbs all the time. It's just, you know, not a great recipe yeah. for living a long time necessarily, yeah. you know. But they are good recipes. But man, they're so good. Um, <laughs> so have you, so, have you, um, let me ask you this, have you witnessed death firsthand? Yeah, I did. So what was um, that experience and, and that was, like? If that's well, something you want to share. Sure it is, yeah. And, and before I do, I, I want to I want to get to that. Yeah, and yeah, I want to yeah. set up something else that I want to ask, come back and ask you about, yeah, which yeah. is the first experience with death that you can remember in a real mm, way. Yeah. Um, the first experience with death that I can remember was my father's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was weird because when it went, because she was already pretty old by the time I met her. She was living in Buffalo, which is pretty far away from here. Yeah. 
And so I didn't see her very frequently. And most of my interactions with her as a child were while she was in the in Alzheimer's mm. progression. So wow. it was every time I would see her, it would be a little bit different and she'd be a little bit less recognizable and uh, there would be a little bit less to grab onto. Yeah. And I would notice my dad being a little bit more upset mm. and I would just the sort of withering away of this relationship. But I was still really young. And yeah. when she How died, you, you I, I think when she finally passed, I was 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I remember it emblazoned on my mind forever. I remember I was drinking out of a, uh, this, this probably came up on the show at some point, whatever. Because it, it's for some reason it's something that stuck with me. I was drinking out of a green Crayola crayon style Burger King cup because wow. we'd just been to Burger King. Yeah, and I was sitting upstairs and my dad was crying and telling me about this, and I and I did not get it. Mm. I really didn't get it, even though I'd been thinking about death a lot at that yeah. point in my life. I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't really conceptualize of what that meant. Can anyone really? <laughs> I mean, that's. The I mean, thing. Ma- maybe <laughs> not. But to me, that the the death the death story that I always think about and bring up is was my mother's mother mm. because um and i'll make this quick because i want to make sure i get back to i want you to answer the question yeah 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 no but um my, my i was very close with her um she was just an amazing woman she was larger than life we went to her house every sunday when i brought up the wrestling matches with my cousins like that was at, at her house you know, oh, every yeah. su- so every single sunday i had this anchor point to family yeah and it was so sacred to me In even a gathering though space it sounds like yes yeah where you could hear the old stories, you could learn about where you come from, where your family mm, comes from. You, mm. could, you could eat these foods that had been passed along for generations. There'd be these like ongoing games that we would play, and we'd come back, and there'd be the toy chest and like everything. Every, it was it was a really a home point. So that even though we all lived all over the place, every Sunday we would all come together, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was basically basically a big focal point for me, a big orientation point as a kid. Of course. And my grandmother's death, um, <clears throat> so she had cancer, mm-hmm. um, and it was a kind of a gradual process. She moved in with my family mm-hmm. during it when I was, you know, I was in middle school and, uh, t- because my parents are both medical professionals, she moved into our house basically to get more consistent medical care while she was going for treatments and, and that. And I just, I really remember, I really remember her journey towards death mm. a lot. Like it's something that I think about and watching her go through that. Yeah. Watching her kind of waste away, watching her hair fall out, going through all of these various things that you go through, you know, in the yeah. course of a, of a cancer treatment and, um, and being old enough to be, to be getting How old it. were you at that time? I think I was 12, okay. something like that. Yeah. And then, um, and again, if I brought this up in the podcast, I apologize, but I don't but think so. It's, it's a, it's a story worth telling. Um, we knew that her time was coming to an end and she was in hospice care at her house, the house that I had come to every Sunday, you know? Yeah. And they'd set up her bed in the house and told us all to, come because it was a matter of you know tonight or the next day probably that she would pass yeah and so the whole family came together again and it was like and for years this has been this had been disrupted by the cancer you know like those those sunday gatherings had basically not happened anymore. changed a yeah. lot and and fallen off but we were all there again um as she was dying and she was unconscious and she was being just hydrated you know and mm-hmm. basically allowed to pass um and she didn't for like a week wow and we all stayed, all of us. And, wow. and, I, and that week um, is just one of those things. Like when I die, that's a week that I will think about. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. I, I, will, I will take that for the rest of my life because it was, um, you know, we were there. We experienced the act <sighs> of incredible. dying with her. You yeah. Know? Yeah. With these people that mean so much to me. And I remember, um, I remember like lying in her bed because, because that was where I slept that week mm-hmm. with my cousin Joey who thinks you're an idiot with diaper changing. Yeah. Well, and we would, we would lie there and stay up all night talking about our lives and where we were in our lives and about her and wow. about 
um, where we were going. And because I was in this liminal space between childhood, I was going to say you were right at that age too. And it was just like a, it was a, it was just such an enormously impactful experience for mm. me, you know. So anyway, that was something that really equipped me to deal with death. I think early on, and then yeah. it was like over the next eight years, we lost probably fifteen family members to various 15. things. Like I lost uncle after uncle after uncle. I, you know, I lost my uncle's partner. I, you know, just all of these, all these deaths just back to back. And so there was this time period where we were just going to funerals. Like it felt like all the time. Mm. And um, now, thankfully, that's slowed down a little bit. But it was it was really, really rough. So anyway, I don't mean yeah. to, to take this whole conversation. No, I, I, please. I do want to know. Thank you for sharing that. Did you? I, you know, I want to know your first kind of real yeah. exposure to it. And if you ever had an event kind of like that too. Yeah, I can share a couple of things. I mean. The the very first I have is uh, an aunt of mine, a great aunt. So she was my my mom's aunt, I guess. Yeah, because she was. <laughs> I'm still trying to piece it together. No, she was my mom's great aunt because she was my wow. Yeah, my mom's grandmother's sister. So this is like okay, an old yep, generation, yep. and I was really lucky to know her and her sister, who was my great grandmother, mm-hmm. until I was um, in my teens. Wow. And this woman was. Uh, she was incredible. So she was. Um, she had a condition. Uh, is it meningitis that can cause someone to go um, paralysis, deaf, and mute? Maybe. Um, yeah. I could be making that up, but I think she, as a child, she had. I think it was meningitis mm-hmm. that that caused it. So she's, you know, she was born with with hearing, um, and uh, and lost it. Mm. And so, but I knew her as, you know, uh, my great. Aunt I think I think who, meningitis can cause like encephal- encephalitis, right? Mm, like brain swelling and that. Can, I really couldn't tell you. I don't know. I don't even know about canker sores, so I'm, I'm not even going to try. But anyway, we'll she, she, had a, she had a condition. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so you know, so I only ever knew her as uh, a great aunt who couldn't talk or, or mm-hmm. hear, and that was interesting as a child, right? Having a person in your life who um, was disabled, you know, just experiencing that, and she was one of the warmest, um, <laughs> most incredible people that I remember. I, you know, she would babysit me and my sister, and I still remember these times where we would have so much fun trying to like teach her some new like board game Mm. you know or play with her and she just she didn't need to talk um or even hear us to to really um communicate with Mm -hmm. us you know and and so i don't even remember how we communicated i think it was very much like gestures and you know you think about the fact that there are studies about um this very high percentage of our communication is actually visual Mm -hmm. even when people are talking to each other you know i'm taking in how you're reacting to me right now Mm -hmm. and that actually accounts for a higher percentage than the words that i'm using right and I believe it's true, and this is something I experienced with her. Um, and she was just, you know, a lovely woman. Um, and I have great memories of her, and, I, and she was the first death in our family, mm-hmm. that I, at least that I can when, remember. when? So I was probably about 12, yeah, about that, mm. about that age. And I remember, I mean, I remember feeling really sad. I don't, I honestly don't have very specific memories of that end of life. I don't think I was there as much as present, and I don't remember if that was because my my family, you know, kept me buffered from it or exactly yeah. what that experience was because um, just a few years later, very different experience with her sister, who was, my, again, my great-grandmother who I was also close with, where I was very, very, I can relate to your stories because mm-hmm. I remember she had ovarian cancer, which comes pretty quick. Yeah. And, um, and I remember, it must have only been a couple of days before she passed. Maybe it was the day before. It was very close. And I remember sitting on a sofa with her and just holding her hand and... Mm. You know, she was someone, so she's, Greek is her first language. She spoke a little bit of English, if I remember correctly. And uh, it's funny how those memories sort of drift away. You know, you, at least for me, I can I can remember specific moments, right? But like, as a whole, I'm not even 
100% sure that she spoke great English anymore. It's yeah. so long ago. Well, the um, voice, to, the, to me, that's something with death that yeah. always gets me is how quickly you forget what people's voices mm, sound like. You know? Yeah. So instead, like one of the things that really has stuck with me, and I'm fairly confident she did speak English quite a bit, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I just remember sitting there silently with her on the couch and just holding her hand, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't remember if the TV was on or what details were there. I just remember sitting with her and how beautiful that was. And for me as a young person, that was my first experience with, um, with someone who was dying, yeah. you know, and just being there with her. And I'm so, I feel so fortunate to have had that experience. Yeah. First of all, to know my great grandmother, you know, that was just such a gift, um, for many years. I mean, mm-hmm. this was by the time she passed, I think I was more like maybe 14. That's amazing. Um, and just sitting there with her, you know, and being there. And uh, so that was a great experience for me and one that I'll remember. Mm. Um, and then fast forward just just uh, uh, three or four years ago, my, my grandfather died, my dad's dad. And I had two um, pretty amazing moments. You know, one, one was actually being able to go to the hospital and uh, be with my grandmother who was with him, his wife, and see um, the moment that he decided to go home mm. and to not, to not go through dialysis and you know, I don't want to say give up because that didn't, it wasn't what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he had had enough of, of the pain and he just knew, you know, in his heart that that was it. And, and I remember him telling the doctor that, you know, with my grandmother there there for that moment. And I just happened to be, I was visiting and it happened to be at that moment where, um, first I was with my grandmother and, and they went over the options with her and then she went back to him and talked through with him and I was there for all of it, you Mm -hmm. know, and I was helping her understand because like, Partly her aids, but she's she's really with it. So it was more so just her processing it as anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Processing that. And what a gift that was to be there with her. And then to be in the room and to see the love that these two people who have spent so many decades together. You know, it was like over 60 years. I can't remember exactly. Wow. Um, and just to see the love that they had for each other, you know, which I always, they, they were always like a couple that I just, I looked up to in terms of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see him just make that decision with her. You know, and still feel all of it was so much more about being worried about her, you yeah. know, and the things that he was going to leave her with. Um, and then my grandfather, a couple days later, I visited him at his house because at that point, again, he was at home. We knew it was going to be a matter of time. Hospice mm-hmm. had been set up. And I went and, and just as I got there, my, my sister and I visited and my uncle who was there. So this would have been my grandmother's son. Mm-hmm. Um, he left to go out and do an errand. And so it was just me and my grandmother and my grandfather. And then my sister was there. And within us being there for like two minutes, I heard this like exhale, like this deep sort of like snore for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had never witnessed death before. It's so like, I, like I the mean, death rattle, right? yeah, we didn't yeah. know, I, you know, and even my grandmother was like, is that, you know, and we were, I was trying to feel his pulse. Um, and I was pretty sure, but like, I've never been through that, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I, I, yeah, so I was with my grandmother and it was like this just surreal moment. And then I called 911. Wow. And, uh, and they came and that was it. But it was like, you know, it felt like he waited for us, you know, to visit him. Yeah. We, we were just on the way and it was like within, I mean, legitimately a couple of minutes of us being along next to his bed. Yep. Um, and there too, I'm just so thankful to be part of that moment. And now I have these series of memories with my grandfather at the end and being there with my grandmother and experiencing that, you know, through her eyes and, uh, it is a gift, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. the way we look at death, of course, so much of it is about ha- our own experience with it so far. And um, I guess, you know, when I think about it with my kids, I want to really be um, upfront and 
head on with it, you mm-hmm. know, to the extent that we can, because like it's appreciating where they're at and whether developmentally and what they can even comprehend. But I feel like there's uh, there's a tendency for us to want to protect or you know defend our kids from that. Right. Um, shelter, I guess, is the word. Um, and I get it, you know, but like it's it's a part of life and it's something that you know, thankfully, like we have these really great experiences that to some extent we might be able to share, um, because. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just about th- those experiences shape how we look at it. and Well, and it gives meaning to life, you know? Yeah, that's right. I think that's kind of the key with death. Is oh, that it, is that it I gives think it's us, so true. It gives us, it gives us like a, oh, it, it makes so everything does. else so much more special. It, it does give, it, it literally does give meaning to life because yeah. if there wasn't death, what would life be, you know? Yeah. I mean, it would just be this ever ongoing, it, it has to lead up to something, you know? Yeah. Our brain, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just because of how our brain understands life, but... There has to be a beginning, middle, and end. Because we're part of cycles in the earth. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, I, I want to uh, go back from, before we close out just briefly. Um, yeah. So my grandmother did a very similar thing to to what what yours uh, what your great it was your great uh, your great grandfather. Um, it was my my, my grandfather. No, just it my was just your grandfather. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As, as kind of a similar thing. Um, although for us, she waited until we left. Yeah. So we we hadn't left the house the entire this entire time except to go to like the corner store to get like groceries and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, towards the end of this experience, everybody was like, the kids need to like get out and get some air and like clear out of this for you know a bit. So we saw yeah. Air, air Bud Golden Receiver. <laughs> um, oh my God, And that's she, she died during that. Uh, so the only time we left for the whole week. So I think she was alert. waiting for us to not. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh wait, dude, I'm so sorry. No. I, I really thought you were talking. <laughs> I really thought you were talking about how you went to see Gold, uh, what is it, Air, air Bud? Bud? Golden and that, Receiver, yeah. And that she in the movie, the dog died. No, my God. And grandmother I, and I was died like, what a we horrible, it. oh, wow. Although, that's pretty funny. That's amazing. Yeah. But it was it was crazy. And then, and then you know, we got the call while we were there with, mm. um, I don't remember who took us at this point, but it was somebody who was able to, probably my dad, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but she was clearly aware enough, you know, to Isn't that, that amazing? And most of the deaths in my life, you know, my, so my mom, my mom's dad died when I was two, my namesake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, my dad's, my dad's dad died in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. His mom died when I was a kid, so wow. she was my only grandparent, really. Wow, you know, that I got to really have oh, a relationship man. with. Yeah, and but I think being so part of that process and being part of it with family. Oh, that's so key to it. I think and seeing the suffering and mm-hmm. seeing the real anguish and the real emotion, and being a part of it and feeling it too and feeling like time stopped. Yeah, even if you couldn't, I mean, that you were at an age where you could pretty much understand everything going on, but even if you weren't, really. like I feel like, you know, well, yeah, I mean, not totally, but like you weren't, you know, Jude's age, right, right, right. Um, but even if you were, I feel like there is something so beautiful about being with family and experiencing yeah. just like their reactions and because um, like the ultimate comfort when we go is to be surrounded by love, right? Yeah, that's sort of what yeah. we, that's like what we all want, ultimately, yeah. right? Like nobody wants to just die in the middle of the night, you know, mm-hmm. on an overpass somewhere, right? Right. Like, and and also nobody wants to just suffer forever. Everybody wants basically what your grandfather had, yeah. Which is, and my grandmother, because she had some agency in that as well, right? yeah. Which is yeah. like you you go you get to a point where you feel like this is not gonna get better, right? And you take that decision to go into hospice care and to be comfortable and to tell people come spend time with me. That's right. I, it's limited, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had waffles that morning. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> like, I'm just remembering that detail. And all these he requested waffles. Yeah, I, I remember we were and then, drinking. And like uh, he was pretty fine too that day. That was the you know. And then all of a sudden he was uh, he was sleeping and then he was gone. Yeah, yeah. And it's important as a kid to see that. the The issue, of course, is the age at which you expose kids oh, to that. Yeah, and how you couch it for them. Oh, of course. I but mean, you have I do, to be able to. I do think it's important to be honest. You know, I think so. And you know, another thought that occurred to me, just as we're talking through this, I think it's so important. Um, you know, for those who maybe haven't spent 
time processing this. Just like, I mean, it's a gift what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. I'm finding to talk through it. Another thing that I thought was so helpful for me, and I, I was forced to do it because I wrote a eulogy for my grandfather, right. is uh, is writing or some form of just like write, get processing your thoughts and your grief is so important because I think, especially in our society today, it's so easy to just move forward and move on. Um, but I found through that process, you know, I had actually shared this on an episode. It probably sound wicked cheesy out of context, and maybe it still will. But um, as I thought about writing this eulogy, I held on to this moment of my grandfather um, lifting me up out of an arcade, and that was yeah, just a memory right. I had. That right. wasn't that was even that mine. Grandfather, right? It was yeah. that grandfather just lifting me up on his shoulder and you know carrying me out, and mm-hmm. I just apparently went silent after having a tantrum. And uh, and what I wrote in the eulogy was that you know I felt like you know now it's time for us to carry him, and and I'm just remembering you know your point and how you communicated that to your kids about the idea that we carry on those memories yeah. and that person, right? Um, and I think a big piece of that is processing in ourselves fully and not dodging it. Yes, exactly. Um, not repressing it, but exactly. really intentfully, yeah, reengaging with the loss that we feel, yeah, and not allowing us ourselves to be dragged down by it. That's right. But using it as a way to like add value to their life, mm-hmm. the life that they lived, and the lives that we want to live going forward, having known them, you know. Yeah. And um, but it's fucking hard, man. It is so yeah. hard. Anyway, I know we got to wrap, but um, maybe we'll come back to this at some point. Um. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a well, it's thanks a for situation. That. Yeah, thank you, man. That was that was emotional. Um, it was. I, I think uh, maybe we'll do. Oh well, we're gonna do Halloween next, so that'll be <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a little bit a little bit less happy heavy. Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween, Blah. everybody. Blah.